This is a Valfam special, special broadcast. broadcast. The COVID Report Show, Monday to Thursday, from 6 to 7 p.m. Exclusive to VowFM 88.1. Share it. Morlueni, Sanbonani, and welcome to another installment of the COVID Report, where we unpack the effect this pandemic has had on various sectors, various walks of life, and today is no different. Today we speak about the plight of domestic workers under this lockdown and under the pandemic. I am Siposisi Ngosavanayambuli and I am joined as usual by my phenomenal co-host. Oh, Kamilise Wagwapovana, a.k.a. Game. Thank you so much, Siposisi, for the warm welcome. Thank you so much to you uh, for joining us here on the COVID Report, your one-stop shop for all of the facts, the stats, the figures, and none of the misinformation as it pertains to all things COVID-19 here in the country and all across the globe, really. And as Siposisi rightly mentioned, a jam-packed edition of the show that I think is really framed around um, the 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 address that we were given most recently uh, by our Commander-in-Chief, the President of the country, President Cyril Ramaphosa, in the form of a letter that he published uh, on the earlier in the morning of the 18th of May 2020, basically calling for South Africans to continue to be resolute during these tricky, unprecedented times. He made mention of the fact that a lot of his decisions have not been received well um, universally across the Republic. And there are people who have committed themselves to pursuing legal action in the name of the actions of uh, the government led by President Cyril Ramaphosa. While I do appreciate the president encouraging them to exercise their rights to pursue legal action if needs be, I do feel that over the course of our dealing with this pandemic, it has taken a toll on on many of us uh, constantly devoting um, unnecessary amounts of time and energy towards these debates that just go from corner to corner without necessarily reaching a resolution. So I think these discussions that we're going to have today shed a light on the need to heed the call to continue to be resolute. Domestic workers and their plight during those times of lockdown. We have heard from domestic workers who have shared struggles as far as pertaining to uh, the access of payment from their employers during this lockdown. And one particular domestic worker sent us a voice note to share her story with us. She wanted to remain anonymous as a guarantee that she would share her story with us. And this is what she had to say. I like to be anonymous. Uh, I've been a domestic worker for five years. So during this lockdown, the only salary I got is the uh, end of March, of which was half of my salary. Then I sent a request to my employer asking her. I was expecting a full salary because, like, it, it was a month end. She told me that, no, his business is not working very well, and then she will see what he can do. She she was uh, she told me that she's applying for a government relief fund. As soon as the government replies, then I will get paid, of which that was end of March. Then it was April. There was no communication. And then I got an SMS again. She told me she can't pay me anymore. 
because the business is not going any well. She promised that as soon as she get money from the government, she will pay. Nothing. I got nothing. And then I, I begged her actually, like, okay, then, because I, I tried to apply for the groceries and stuff. Lines are busy. We too much. The government can accommodate us. So I was like, okay, you can just buy me a little of grocery, then I will, I will survive. There was no response for that. So end of um, April, it was March. No, sorry, end of April, it was May, and then on the on May, she only gave me seven hundred rand, and that was it. So. I was like, let me just be patient. Probably she will pay, but nothing yet. And now we're hitting month end. So I was like, okay, let me just give her a chance. Probably she will respond, nothing. And then like, it's very hard for me now because I'm a breadwinner, a domestic worker. And then I'm a tenant. I have accounts to pay. I was surviving with my little savings. Now I've got nothing. I'm keeping myself safe because I, I do stay in the house. I keep myself in the house a lot of time to be safe. So I was hoping for her to tell me that the job is finished or must I come back to work? Because I had no UIF. I have no provident fund. I have nothing. It's only me. And I was serving her for five years. So, me being kind, I was like, let me be, be patient. Probably, she will respond, nothing. So, yeah, it's hurting as domestic workers because we feel like we've been used, you know. Yeah, I, I feel like that. But like, bias user, lava, and then, like, it's a scam for working for seven zero for so long. And then during this period of time during a lockdown and then so far what I've learned with him is not about a lockdown the government did he was trying he's trying so hard to get a life in Jan so from the government what I would like him to do for us as not the day we are going to go to the corner because I'm a CCMA at everywhere is Q. I'm a email to Quelle, it's Q. I'm a Kungusnata song. I don't know good another my AP plan, but good as night. Nay, surely we are some Gusnata, but Sibaning Sibaning for you. So I was thinking good in Nina as EFM. Because at this point, the government went to under pressure. It's very difficult for you. But I was thinking, so I was thinking, Nina, you can do something, you meet halfway as much as a very serious. Because Fortina is very bad. I'm a domestic workers. Most I'm a domestic workers, they are living from pocket to mouth. And then it's, it's not easy to save 
kanjalo mopila from pocket to mouth cause malolithlayo you have to pay am account to abantwana isikolo kwamelo uthenga ukudla you can save much spila nge tokfela nama nama savings la spila ngawo la swasharayo every year still now they are not taking us anyway so yeah, it's very difficult for our domestic workers to survive at this point and then it's very hard so as much as totally opportunity lena you would just keep my voices way to probably something government way to ask because yeah it's very bad it is very bad and then the worst thing most of our domestic workers is either Salimi Kukwini or Guma RTP. So, Uguba safe, we try by all means Uguba safe to keep indoors. Even though Ugu difficult, but we are keeping safe as much as we can. We understand. Because sometimes we have Guti's Pume, Siozama, Lasezama, Kona, Foguti, Guliwe and stuff. So, we are, this a risky. We are in risk because Konamanje, we only depending on the money grant. And then imagine I get grant. You have to queue. Utandungatan. Safety IE collab. So, me na the way in survival in a corner. Nimelanje, Mazitbo, my 15. Yazbuti EQ, I say. Then it's easy. You go to town. We are with Royal Malayo. You buy what you buy. You come back home. Because there's no way that we can survive. Maktiwa Imalingana is 6. So in case pelletropeni and then go by chaos. So safety Iiko. Mina for myself to keep me safe. I need exactly six. Now almost ten, fifteen years with accent IQ. I go there, I withdraw, then I come back home. Good evening surviving a corner for now. So yeah, it's very difficult. Very unfortunate situation for this domestic worker detailing her struggles with um, accessing payment from her employer during these times. I sincerely hope that her situation finds a resolution uh, between now and when uh, things get better. Later on, we hear from more domestic workers who are equally affected by the coronavirus pandemic and lockdown. Only 20% of domestic workers were registered for the UIF. At this time, we are joined by Kululiwe Bengo, who is an attorney from the Socio-Economic Rights Institute of South Africa, or SERI in short, who is here on the COVID report to help us unpack the issue that is being faced by domestic workers in terms of how they are being treated on both sides both government level and by their employers. Kuliwe, thank you so much for joining us here on the show and welcome. Good evening. Um, Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat to us. Now, I think I'd like us to start our, our discussion by shedding light on the plight of domestic workers and the extent to which uh, they are impacted uh, by their um, by, by these conditions and how they are hampered uh, in doing, in carrying out their duties. How exactly um, have they been impacted by these tricky times that we're in currently? So as you would know, uh, from the beginning of the lockdown, domestic workers weren't allowed to work um, as they're not considered as essential service providers. 
And this has brought a lot of uncertainty to a lot of domestic workers because most of them have just been sent home by their employers without any explanation as to whether the employment continues after the lockdown and without pay. Um, it's very few that have gotten paid, but even then it wasn't clear whether it will continue for as long as the lockdown continues. And as we've seen, it has continued more than the three weeks that we'd initially anticipated. So um, this has, has been very difficult for domestic workers because they make about one million um, of the working class and you have such a huge number not being able to earn an income. No, 100%. There has been a marginalization of them during this time. But this leads me to my second question then. Do you agree that domestic workers do not provide an essential service? Some would argue that to an extent they do is that they support many households in the country. They allow for other people to facilitate jobs that are essential services. So from your point of view, do we agree with the initial diagnostic that they aren't essential service providers? So there's a huge problem with the definition of essential services providers. Um, I think you'd agree that a lot of people provide essential services, but because of the manner in which the legislation around the lockdown is framed, um, it's limited to a very few people. So um, whilst a, a number of domestic workers would um, agree that they provide essential services, but I think... Um, because of the strict definition of the lockdown on what essential service providers are, I think um, they may not necessarily provide essential um, services. But again, it depends on what they do. Domestic workers don't do the same thing in every other household. And that is why you see in the regulations that people who take care of children, who take care of the elderly and sick people, are considered as essential service providers. Absolutely, 100%. And I think that makes the apparent uh, misconception, the apparent miscommunication as far as the understanding of the term um, essential services during these times is it, it, it shines an even brighter light on the, the discrepancies in that discussion. But as it pertains to the, the the reasoning for not having the domestic workers declared as UIF contributors previously. I'm curious to hear from you as far as the whether or not there's a potential space for employers taking for granted the the extent of admin, um, legal admin in this instance, that they have to do to protect um, their domestic workers and um, register them accordingly. Is there is there a space to consider that certain um, domestic work employers haven't taken into account exactly how um, how important their uh, duties are as far as their side of the fence, them being the employers of the domestic workers, now being in a situation where uh, they can't carry out their duties uh, due to a COVID-19 lockdown. Um, some have been... Um, some of some have been relieved of their duties from their uh, places of domestic employment, but they cannot um, they cannot claim 
from the UIF because they are not deemed or declared as UIF contributors. So I'd like you, I'd like you to, to, to shed some light on that for, for me here on the COVID report as far as whether or not there's a space for, for employers to consider the role that they play and to possibly improve, um, on, on their end to ensure that everyone's on the same page. I think that, um, it's important to clarify a number of things. Firstly, um, ordinarily, domestic workers would not need to be declared as UIF contributors because in terms of the UIF Act, um, any person who employs another person, they're supposed to register them for UIF. So despite the pandemic, the domestic worker employers had a legal obligation to register their employees um, for UIF. But, sorry, as you, 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 we have seen from the statistics, it's only about 20% of domestic workers that are registered, um, which is a very big problem because it shows a neglect from the employer's side of their duties to register and contribute towards the fund. So in terms of the act, there are a number of things that the department can do um, as for lack of a better word, punishment to the domestic work as employees for not having complied with the legislation. But the problem is, I think it's important for us to recognize that the domestic workers' um, relationship with the employers is different to the other um, relationships in the employment contract that we know. Because they're working in such a personal space and Really, it's up to the employer to to decide what they want to do and what they don't want to do. And thus, the the inequality in that relationship is more in balance than any other employee-employee relationships. So uh, the reason why we 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 got these instructions from the domestic worker unions to request the the departments to declare them as UIF contributors is that it, it, it doesn't cause havoc for domestic workers because as it is, the, the department has said, employers who have not registered their employees can come to the department for purpose of tapping into the fund. But then the problem is they have to make an undertaking that they will pay the historical debt uh, at a later stage. So if I'm a domestic worker employer, I have to go to the department and I have to make a declaration that if my domestic worker has been working for me since 2012 and I have not been contributing to the UIF, I will contribute. And the contribution to the UIF is 1% from employer, 1% from the employee. But if the employer has not registered, then they have to pay for both the contributions. Now, you can see how much um, that can cost havoc for the domestic workers because it will be a debt that employers would just simply not want to undertake to pay at a later stage. And that is why we believe the better solution is that because the Act already enables the department to declare them as contributors uh, without having to rely on employers going to the department and acknowledging to pay the debt at a later stage, it, it will assist domestic workers to be able to tap into the fund um, and it will be great if they tap into the fund directly because there's this issue of the unwillingness on the part of the employers. But I think it's also important to um, also highlight that not all the domestic worker employers are the same. The few that have actually registered their employees have actually come to the unions and said they're having a problem with 
the funds, accessing the funds. They've applied, but they've been declined without reasons. So there, there are many issues that seem to be culminating in this one issue. It's employers not registering their employees. It's not being able to access the funds. It's the lack of declarations. So you, as Sarah, and you slightly touched on this before, uh, are representing the domestic workers and have made recommendations to the National Command Council, the Employment and Labor Ministry, and the UIF Commissioner seeking a declaration of domestic workers as UIF contributors so they can access income during the state of disaster. Outside from what you have already told us, do you mind elaborating more on this and why it is so important at this current stage and what are the long-term ramifications of this? Have you heard anything since sending the letter to these um, relative stakeholders? So um, after sending the recommendations um, to the relevant stakeholders, we received an acknowledgement that they've been received and that they've been forwarded to the minister. Um, unfortunately, we haven't had much uh, from the minister or the National Command Council thereafter. But I think the most important thing um, about the declaration of domestic workers as UIF contributors is that it's another step uh, towards recognizing domestic workers as workers. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but there's another case is an institute that we have mitigated on is currently awaiting judgment from the Constitutional Court um, to include domestic workers um, to benefit in terms of the COIDA Act. So these two things show that domestic workers, our workers, they're contributing so much into the economy, uh, but they're not being recognized as such because you're having uh, one piece of legislation not recognizing them and you're having the other piece of legislation, placing it entirely onto the employers um, to determine whether they're registered for UIF or not, which, like I mentioned earlier, that is a very, very unequal relationship that they have, and they've little to say because they don't want to lose the, the, the job that they have. So I, I think that is the, the biggest importance. And, and hopefully, even post the pandemic, we, we can get more recognition for domestic workers um, because even if you look at the minimum wage, they don't have the same minimum wage as everyone else. No, that, that is true. And um, this, it's indicative of um, exactly, as you say, the, the inequalities and the discrepancies um, that are apparent that need to be addressed. Uh, could you kindly um, elaborate on us as to what progress has been made since um, the, the Socioeconomic Rights Institute um, got, got together and sent those recommendations to the National Command Council. Can you please um, enlighten us as to whether any kind of progress has been made and what kind of progress has been made? So unfortunately, um, there hasn't been much progress, but um, what we have seen from the media is that the minister has, for I think, almost the first time, specifically included domestic workers when speaking of the relief. But the unfortunate part is, again, he was urging the employers to come to the department um, in order for the domestic workers to um, to be able to tap into the fund. So I think that is why in consultation with the domestic workers' unions, uh, we have taken instructions to 
uh, follow up with the minister on the recommendations to declare them as UIF contributors because unfortunately with every day that passes and domestic workers not being able to make a living is just putting them deep into the poverty line, which is very unfortunate. I have a different type of question because I would categorize what's happening to domestic workers as discrimination. It's they are not included in certain types of legislation that would protect them. They are excluded from other types of legislation that would protect them. And should they want to be included, they now have to go and do what they've done with Siri and fight a battle, get included, and they're never instantly included in things of workers, even though they contribute. So this leads me to my question is, what do you categorize or talk up the discrimination of domestic workers too. What can we say is the reasoning for their lack of inclusion in many pieces of legislation and their lack of inclusion in many um, pieces of documents or protection that would exist for other workers that are in the country and do support the economy as they do? I completely agree with you um, on the discrimination aspect. And uh, I I think it's, it's very unfortunate because it happens to um, a group of people who the majority of are female and black at that. So it, it, it seems to suggest that as black women, they're not getting recognized, right? Because it's, it's common cause. Domestic workers are mostly black women. And I, I think that was the most one of the most important parts that the amicus, that is the Women Legal Center in the Mashango case, try to bring to the attention of the constitutional court. And um, it's very unfortunate, but it happens to a lot of marginalized groups. It happens with informal traders. It happens with informal reclaimers. um, And I I think that all of this is just an indication of how the state needs in generally to recognize informal workers as workers because they contribute to the economy and they they're doing the work that they do so that they're not a burden to the state. Yeah, that is absolutely true. And um, just finally from me, uh, before we let you go, um, Ms. Kululiwe, uh, just to latch on to Siposika's question about um, the the discrimination that uh, domestic workers receive um, in this country and how this discrimination plays out in, in different ways and forms in the plight that they currently face. When it comes to um, this issue of domestic workers being discriminated against and how um, that materializes itself in the issues that uh, they're collectively facing, whether it is uh, being unjustly stripped of their employment during these times, whether it is um, a question of uh, a majority of employers not registering them with the UIF so that they, they're able to claim um, the funds, um, the employers who can uh, re- and, and have registered for the UIF on behalf of their domestic workers uh, not being able to access the funds that they need for uh, reason A, reason B, reason C. When, when all of that is put in together, um, in your opinion, where, where, does the, where does the bulk of responsibility lie as to the, the, the causing factor of, of or a motivating factor rather behind this uh this discrimination that dis- that uh, domestic workers face is it a reflection of um not in not enough support being given domestic workers on a government level or is it a a reflection of them not being supported by their employers and which side of the fence needs to um do better 
for lack of a better term, in order for um, for for parity to be to be achieved, or is it a or is it a question of both sides, both of the government level and uh, employers needing to do better in their approach and how they um, treat the plight faced by domestic workers? So I think it, 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 it's it's on it's on both sides. Um, the employers are to to do what is right in terms of the law um, and to assist domestic workers. But I, the, I, I put the fence more on on the government because they are the ones who make the legislation. Um, when it comes to the issue of domestic workers not being recognised under COIDA, that had nothing to do with uh, the employers, but everything to do with the government and the legislature for not having put that in the legislation. And that is why even with, within the legislation, they are unable to do so. Yes, the employers have failed to fulfil the obligations in terms of the Act and register the employees, but they have empowering provisions in the le- legislation that say because this has happened this is what they can do they are unable to declare them as contributors especially because this is a pandemic that no one foresaw and we we walking into uncharted territories but they already have a piece of legislation that allows them to bring relief um, because obviously the employers have failed and I think if they take a lead on this one then Employers have to take suit. They have to follow suit. If the, the state is not doing anything and it's not enforcing anything on the employers, then unfortunately you have just two bulls not doing what they're doing or fighting and the grass as domestic workers suffering the most out of all of this. So I do think that the state needs to do much better in recognizing the plight of domestic workers and that will in turn force the employers to do what is right for domestic workers. A fantastic analogy, two bulls fighting and the grass, which is the domestic workers, getting harmed in the process. But there are organizations such as yourself trying to level this out, assist and do work that is meaningful in this plight. So you had mentioned you have a case before the Constitutional Court currently. Do you mind sharing some light on that particular case? And secondly, how that particular case could potentially affect better or um, improve the situation that domestic workers find themselves in currently and also further how that particular case would influence the um, the letter that you have sent to the National Command Council and the various stakeholders. So um, the case that I've mentioned is the case of Masang, it's a domestic worker who was working in Equestra, I think it's Pretoria, and she she fell on the pool and died while she was cleaning windows. And because COIDA did not does not actually recognize domestic workers as employees that uh, employees that can go and claim into the fund for occupational disease um, and injuries that occur while in the workplace, her family has not been able to this date to claim from the COIDA fund. And that is why we, on the instructions, obviously, of the domestic workers and the, the family involved, we took the matter firstly to the High Court to say the exclusion of domestic workers in this piece of legislation is unconstitutional. And uh, the High Court agreed that it's unconstitutional, but because the Constitutional Court has the final say on whether any piece of legislation is constitutional or not, we have taken the matter to the Constitutional Court for to decide on that. 
And while someone may see these matters as different because it, it's two different pieces of legislation, um, they're interlinked because they all speak to the recognition of domestic workers. Um, and obviously having a judgment from the constitutional court recognizing um, the plight of domestic workers would go a long way, not only in just these recommendations that we've made, but in all future engagement that domestic workers have regarding the matters that they deal with on a daily basis. It will help because it will show recognition for them as workers, just like any other group of workers. It would call for the equal treatment of domestic workers like any other workers. But I just have one more question for you before I let you go. In that the UIF requires employment um, documents, it requires your employers to act on yourself, act on your behalf, and it requires a sense of formality that, to a certain extent, does not necessarily exist in the fraternity of domestic workers and in the work of domestic workers. We know that many domestic workers are employed without contracts, and it's rather just a, a decision made by the two parties to partake. Many domestic workers don't. Do, job hop, they go from one job to another without a, 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 a firm set of um, of income and that. So do you think the UIF is best catered to cater for all their issues in the long term? Or should the government after the pandemic and after we've dealt with this, look at an establishment or look at a different fund that further recognizes the informal traders and informal work done by such parties, such as domestic workers? Or should, in the opinion of you and Sari, look, should government look at extending the UIF mandate? Should a new mandate be created? Um, what can be done in the long term to protect informal traders and the work of domestic workers? I think for domestic workers, um, in the long run, the department would have to be more strict on its enforcement of um, those who do not register their employees for UIF. And I, I don't think it, it's fair to say that um, because of the type of employment relationship that domestic workers have, it's difficult for employers to register for UIF. If that were the case, the other 20% would not have been able to register their domestic workers. It's really just the unwillingness of employers and the only person who's best equipped to enforce the um, implementation or the registration of domestic workers by the employees is the department. Um, and I think it, it would, I would have a different answer when it comes to informal traders and um, informal reclaimers because they are individual entrepreneurs. They, they don't consider themselves as workers. So obviously, um, in the long term, the state would need to definitely have a plan on how they can be included um, on the UIF system. Because as it is, they've been able to have um, many forms of relief for other workers, but to the state. They have no idea how to address the informal traders' issues or the reclaimers because they want to treat them as workers, but they're entrepreneurs, individual entrepreneurs. But it's different for domestic workers. That is why it was important for us to say in the recommendations, if you declare domestic workers as UIF contributors, half the battle is won because now they can tap into that fund. But the, the, the lack of registration or declaration at this point for the 80% domestic workers is a barrier to them accessing the fund and getting relief during those tough times. 
And that was Kuliwe Bengu from the Socioeconomic Rights Institute of South Africa. Speaking of the plight of domestic workers during the pandemic under the UIF, under various bodies um, and in their engagement that they've done with the various stakeholders who could assist maybe possibly in this plight. Such an enlightening conversation. But still on the plight of domestic workers, we spoke to Relebukhile Pirimako, who runs a domestic worker agency called Proberti Domestic Solutions that places domestic workers throughout the year. But more specifically, we are speaking to them to discuss how this time has affected the work they do. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, can you please take us through uh, the placement process that your agency undergoes? When a client wants a domestic worker, we send them an information request form and a service level agreement. If they agree with our terms and conditions, we send them CVs based on their request. We then proceed with the interview and screening process. At the moment, because of the pandemic, we conduct interviews with a conference call with the domestic workers who don't have WhatsApp. Those that have WhatsApp, we do video calls together with the client. So a very in-depth and collaborative process that is employed by your company. And something we've learned here on the COVID report is that no company or nothing has been left unscathed during this pandemic. So at this time, we were facing this global pandemic. How are you ensuring that the staff you are taking in and the homes they eventually go to are taking precautionary measures before reporting for duty? At the moment, we're only facing live-in nannies and not stay-out nannies. We provide transport for our domestic worker, and that also gives us the opportunity to go view the client um, home and we ensure that the domestic worker is safe and we assess the workstation that they, the, the client is taking the precautionary measures that is required in order for the domestic worker to be safe during this pandemic. Such brilliant work in ensuring that everyone plays their role in making sure it's a safe environment, making sure that we're not putting, that your company is not putting people out at risk who might have some precondition. So then are there any teachings that you have derived from COVID-19 restrictions that has shaped or changed any of your business operations for the better, especially regarding your core business with the domestic workers? Yes, definitely. There are some of our services that we had to reevaluate and restructure. One of the services being contracts. Initially, we had the option of offering contracts at an extra fee. And now we have decided that it is mandatory that the domestic workers we place have a contract in place with our clients, as we have realized that a lot of domestic workers don't have contracts. We have also realized that a lot of domestic workers are not registered for UIF and we have amended our service level agreement to ensure that every domestic worker that we place is going to be registered for UIF. A lot of domestic workers now are not able to work because of the pandemic and they can't even claim from uh, the UIF because they're not even registered. So these are one of the things that have changed our business operations for the better. We added on our service level agreement that if the domestic worker contracts the virus while on duty, the employer must make sure that they get the necessary treatment and self-isolate.
You've just heard from Rilebukhile Piri Marko here on the COVID report, speaking to us about how they are only able to place live-in domestic workers and those working for essential workers through her agency. She also highlighted the safety issues that are faced by her personnel that fall underneath her agency's We opened the forum to more domestic workers, as we alluded to earlier in the show, to come forward and share their experiences with us as far as the challenges they are facing during these tricky times. And this is what they had to say. Voice of Vets FM. domestic worker. lockdown. I lockdown. It's a my car being failing is seven zini. So since then in logon sem seven zini, but ye waba no go to silver melan and a belong say bang salisa pansy, bang boz or gooding is all you sally kaya until it pedi lockdown. Norma gizo salalana seven. So Savumela nagging or gooding is all Nsebenze, ngoba angengwazi ukuthi ngilokho ngitravel nge public transport because basabu ukuthi ngiyenzeka ngibe infected and then imhlambe ngitma ngiqede kuba infected mangifika thola ukuthi ngi ama symptoms awakabonakali and then ngisulela mhlambe emntwaneni or ungethelela omunye khona la endlini so ngihlala ke emsebenzeni but ke ama sanitizer yasebenzisa akhona iromeli nye nelinye kune bodlela le sanitizer and then kune hand soap e kishini eduze kwesink so ngifanele njalo mangene ekuseni mangiyoqala ukusebenza ngiqala ngokuthi ngikeze izandla ngaphambi kokuthi ngibambe umntwana ngaphambi kokuthi ngibambe noma yini engizoyithinta Final thing, and then I mask yon. Nayo ikona ba tingi la belung and then nambang nigeza. But ye angi gogi la in lini like Uguti each and every single time man your kaluk sevens a meleni. I have to wear a mask. No. I just wear it manga bengi po mangha but like manga be bengi sa ikaya and then Sifaga ma maske lao, na boge baya wafaga ma beyi ma shop, batige, nifaga ma ngia ekaya, and then nge, na ma hentlaf akona, for in case ma ngabe guguti, ukona indengizo ibamba, like the last time nganghambe babe nkajeli uba, so batik nonti nifaga ma hentlaf, so that things ukwa suguti nge, nge vule, Nama hand love, my hand bumping, my hand love, my hand little woman, Uber Mangan and among Puma, but still now my hand love law, funneling was sanitized. So a challenge ain't beginning. I will call me a challenge. He me into Woody and was Gekaya regularly, Nama weekendy as I used to. So Abandona, Nebabona, once a month. Only because of Sabelogoti, Manghamba, a public transporting and Zaganga infected, and Umlunga Gagwazoti, Angang Tata, 
every weekend because sometimes we are sevens of Wamanyama weekend. So, Ileyo e challenge in Jane Pagan and Ayo Nyabo. Hello, my name is Patricia. I'm a domestic worker. I would just like to thank my, my bosses for being there for me and my family. They continue to support me and they allow me to go back home um, every every Thursday after my shift uh, until the following Monday. And they also provide me with masks and sanitizers to cleanse my hands as I am staying with them. As a domestic worker myself, um, it's tough to be in this COVID-19 and my employers are very, very nice people. They're very, very nice. So they have said, Hore, I can stay with them. They have, they have placed a, a room for me in their home. Um, they, they said I shouldn't go home because now I use public transport and now I'm going to affect my children and, and my husband and, and my, and my mother at home. And they told me that every time I go out to to the shops to buy grocery, I should just wear a face mask. And they provide sanitizers when I, you know, when 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 I come into the house and also when I come out. Well, again, you've heard it uh, directly from the horse's mouth. It is clear to see that the effects of the pandemic on domestic workers have been severe. Absolutely eye-opening and insightful stuff, as is always the case here on the COVID report. I certainly appreciate the insight that I have gained through this show on the extent to which the work of domestic workers who a lot of people uh, might be guilty of taking for granted in certain uh, periods of time. It's really highlighted how important they are, not only to the maintaining of our households, but as far as them being able to feed their own families through the work that they perform. And like I said, Sposifia, I am very... Uh, appreciative of the insight that I've gained into their plight uh, through this show today. If I can be guilty of using some of our favorite buzzwords, it was a very eye-opening and enlightening engagement. It also gave many facets to the plights of domestic workers, from not being able to claim from the UIF to also not being able to find jobs. It shows that there are a discriminated group and one that we do not necessarily consider enough and one that we do not see enough in conversations and in discourse. And I think we're not the only ones guilty of doing that. As one of our guests points out, government is guilty of not protecting domestic workers enough. And I think from this point on, we should work and like the work that many people are doing to ensure that during this time, we can mitigate some of the effects that are happening. But I think there's nothing we can say that there's nothing we have shown that can show that no, no, I want to retake that. Sorry. Um, I'm just going to go from the um, way game says yes. Okay. Three, two, one. And if I can be guilty of using some of our favorite buzzwords here on the COVID report, it has been an enlightening and eye-opening engagement of the plight of the domestic workers. That it is more than just looking for a job, but also not being able to claim, not being able to work, not also working in environments that are ne- not necessarily the safest because they are only allowed to work in homes of essential workers. So I think all in all, it has been a robust engagement 
on what the plight of domestic workers has has been during this pandemic. I think it only continues to further echo the call by the president for more active citizenship during this time. I think it also extends to other facets of life, especially those facets of life that have been affected by this COVID-19 pandemic. It will require active citizenship from all of us to continue to heed the call uh, to stay at home, to stay hygienic, to continue to social distance, to arm ourselves with knowledge about this virus and the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic, to continue to show compassion and empathy where um, it is appropriate and possible, and to also continue to support the members of the country who go out of their way to make the best out of this unprecedented situation that all of us all across the world have found ourselves in. And I do think that if we continue to heed the call for more active citizenship, it will eventually see us in better stead when we get to the moment of a post-coronavirus society. On that note, I and specifically leave you for today's edition of the COVID Report. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of the show that gives you all the facts, the stats, the figures, and none of the misinformation as it pertains to all things COVID-19. Just to remind you, you can catch this in podcast form using our website www.vowfm.co.za You can also follow the show on Twitter at VOWFM hashtag the COVID Report. From myself and Sipositia, it is ciao ciao for now. Noisy neighbors making you turn up the volume. We get it, but there's noise and then there's need. So if you hear something disturbing happening nearby, take action. Turn down your radio and turn up your attention. If you hear the sounds of gender-based violence, visit gbv.org.za or contact the GBV Command Center on 0800-428-428 to report abuse or ask for help. Don't drown out the noise. Listen harder. gbv.org.za is there. If something's happening next door, nearby, or next to you, turn down your radio. Listen. Act. We'll be right here when you're done.